Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard and you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truthiest life Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Today's guest is someone who I recently stumbled upon on Instagram. Her name is Alex Alexander. A lot of Alexes happening in your name. <laughs> and someone sent me your page after I shared something about a female friendship of mine. And I started scrolling on your page and I was like, all right, we are on the same page of life. And at the same time, I'm always communicating with my Instagram audience and I was polling them for questions. And a lot of people were asking me questions about friendships. So you just came to mind as this, I don't know if you call yourself an expert or where you kind of lie, but what exactly is it that you do, Alex? <laughs> Funny enough, I'm trying to not call myself an expert because I don't really know who can be an expert on this topic. However, I care super deeply about this topic, so I want to talk about it more. I also think that my life experiences have led me to a place where this is a massive priority in my life. Like I depend on my friendships. It's something I think about all the time. It's one of my highest priorities. And the more I was talking about it with people, the more I started to realize like, this needs to be a broader conversation. So what I call myself, like, I don't really know. I'm just, I'm just a person who really cares about friendship and helping people build a community that they feel like is 
supportive. Well, I can definitely relate to that because uh, my friendships are my family. I have family as well. But over the last few years, my friendships have really, and all different types of friendships, have really shown me how uh, supportive, positive, I don't really love that word positive because I think that could maybe be misleading, which we'll get into, but healthy relationships with females and males, of course. But for me, when I think friendships, I'm, I'm, my females come to mind for me. So what is it about your life that makes it that you depend on friendships so much? Yeah, I don't have a super strong family of origin. I'll get into this more on my own platforms, but my mom passed away when I was super young. I basically raised my siblings and that led to all sorts of complicated relationships with my dad and the rest of my family. There's a lot more there, lots of therapy to break all that down. But what it made me realize is I've been doing this differently for a really long time. I, from a very young age, realized that if I wanted a support system, like I had to build it elsewhere. I just did that. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. It was really my only option. If I wanted supportive people, I had to depend on friends, friends, parents, people I just met, acquaintances. Those are the people I had to lean on. And the older I got, you know, you get in your twenties and that's really encouraged. Like friendships are encouraged. This is the time of your life to go spend time with your friends and People find it super acceptable to say, you know, I can't this weekend. I have to go do this with my friends. And then I started to hit my late 20s and my early 30s. And that started to be questioned. Like, well, is this really a priority anymore? And to me, the answer is yes. If I don't prioritize this, I don't have anyone. And I had worked so hard to build this without even realizing what I had done. Like it wasn't intentional. It was completely out of necessity, which I think is what makes me a little unique is so many people are overthinking this stuff. I think they're making it more complicated than it needs to be. And because I have no other option, I am always looking for the simplest way to make it happen. So when you were growing up, your family wasn't as supportive as they could be. I think a lot of us could relate. A lot of us can relate. I mean, I know for me as well, like I felt like all a lot of my friends had a very different family structure than I did that allowed them to really have that be their base, whereas my friends were my base. And again, like you said, I didn't realize that was happening, but I had yeah. to depend on a lot of people who don't have my last name for emotional health, for advice, for just the basic human need to be around people and feel safe. So this was really easy for you in your 20s because the 20s are the time when people are no longer living at home. They are stepping out and friendships are priority. What do you want to do tonight? Let's go out to dinner. Let's hang out. Let's yeah. hang out during the day. Let's hang out at night. Let's hang. Let's have a sleepover, you know? And then the late 20s, people start to couple off. I assume that's what you're alluding to. And work becomes more important. Couple off, work, move, you know, people have kids, they want to like move closer back to their families, you know, for that support system. But that begs my 
question of like, you can depend on your friends. Like, how do we build a structure where you can depend on your friends for that kind of support too, if that's what you want? So traditionally, we're what we're seeing like as a society is you've got your immediate family, then you go into your friendships, then you create a new immediate family within. Okay. And you're stepping in to say, how can friends join in on that stay part of your life just as relevant and support you in that next chapter rather than retreating back to kind of that traditional view of just your family. Yes, 100%. I mean, I think that at a certain point in your late 20s, early 30s, society tells us that our friendships just like aren't a priority anymore. That this like the this piece of life doesn't even make the list for someone to decide if they want to put their energy into it. I think people, you know, focus on finances, they focus on their romantic partnerships, having kids, their career, and that's great, right? We I mean, I'm doing those things too. <laughs> it's just where does this make the list of priorities? And I think we're told it shouldn't even be on the list. And then I also think people don't understand how to impact it in their lives. And if you can't impact it, why would you add it to the list? What do you mean by you can't impact it? As kids, we go to school, we meet friends on the playground, we meet friends on our street, we meet friends at whatever, you know, maybe our parents are members of a place of worship, right? We meet friends in those places. Those are friends of proximity, and then we go to college and, you know, again, we, we befriend people in our classes or in our dorm, maybe in a club we join. Um, again, friends of proximity. We make work friends, friends of proximity. And I find the more I talk to people, so few people understand how to take a friendship as an adult and move it outside of that place where they see someone all the time. They're like uncomfortable suggesting new activities or new ways to spend time together. And these are all intentional choices we are making. You're saying, I enjoy my time with this person and I want to spend more time with them or I want to spend time with them in new ways. Because if you spend time with a work friend in ways outside of work, then if one of you leaves your job, you still have ways you feel comfortable spending time together. So this is just one of so many examples, but I think that there are some really intentional choices people can be making about their friendships that they don't even know they could be making. <laughs> you know, when I talk to people, they say, I need new friends. I'm like, that's like walking into a grocery store and saying, I'm hungry for what? Like, what kind of people do you need in your life? Do you need friends who can do certain activities with you? Do you need friends that represent a new area of your life? Mom friends, parent friends. Do you need friends who are going after similar career goals? Like, what do you want to talk to these people about? Everybody has to start somewhere in order to get to be those closer friendships that everyone seems to crave. Right. So the first thing you're saying to do is not necessarily, you know, blindfold yourself, spin around in a circle and choose them, but rather take a second to yourself and say, what am I looking for in a community that I'm not getting in my current community or just that I'm not getting in life, which Correct. I think is a really awesome way to look at it because so many times 
you know, we're we're trajected into the next proximity friendship, as you call it, you know, the next Mm -hmm. friendship, because it's easy to have around because it's our neighbor, they're a mom, we're a mom, you know, whatever it is. And we're not really thinking about what need it is that we need to check. So I love that you're bringing it back to the person for all of us even right now to say in this very stage of life, where I am today, when you're listening to this episode, what do you need in a friendship? Like, I know that I need right now. I'm um, at the time of this recording. I'm almost nine months pregnant. And congrats. (laughs) This is very timely for you. Yeah. I know that I need friendships that are really nurturing. Like, it's an interesting thing that I never really thought of as a friendship. I actually like to be the nurturer. But Mm -hmm, right now, my female friendships are really nurturing me. People are checking in on me when I'm with them physically. They're holding doors for me, making sure I'm, you know, safe. And it's really all I have room for right now, because I'm not capable of being the nurturer because I'm slower and I can't, you know, my brain can't take on as much right now. So I love that question. And if everyone can just take a second listening to just pause and maybe put your hand over your heart and just say, what do I need in a friendship today? And then what do we do with that information (laughs) is my next question. How do we find that? So, I mean, this is such a big question. I, um, I've spent spent the last two years in about to release a workbook. That's not meant to be a plug, but what I'm trying to say is like the first section of the workbook, I think it's five or six pages is all questions about you as a person, how do you like to spend time with people? Do you like to be in a big group? Do you like to be one-on-one? Do you like to go out? Do you like to stay in? Do you have certain interests? Do you have places in your life that you wish you could share more with people that you don't currently have? Like what, what do you have and what are you missing? And then it gives you kind of a broader sense of what you're looking for. And you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with the simple friendships. Like you might find someone who fills one of those qualities. They're a nice person. They're great and invest some time in that relationship and really enjoy what it brings to you. Like enjoy the simple things too. And don't guilt yourself that it's not going to become one of your closest, dearest friendships of life. That's okay. Enjoy the pieces that it gives you. And then when you do find the people that start to click in a lot of boxes, like intentionally invest in those. Say, I really like you. Let's try to find some more things we can do together. Let's spend time in these new ways and be super intentional on how you're using your time. I love that just as a piece of advice to even think about some of my friendships where like I'm a very in-depth person with most of my friends. Most of my friends know everything going on in my life. I know everything going on in theirs. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I have a very tight circle, I should say. I don't have a lot of friends. And with my simpler friendships, as you call them, sometimes I struggle to, I don't know, like, is this this enough? Like you said the word guilt, and I started to feel like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if guilt hits me exactly so much as like, am I comfortable having such a simple relationship? But to your point, there's also something really nice about those more simple friendships where we're actually not deep diving into our personal lives and our problems and all of that. And we're just we can go on a walk together and talk about nonsense. Like there's something nice about nonsense sometimes, especially everybody's going through something, having those breather friendships where we can come up for air. So I, I love that you said that. Thank you. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeart Media. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I think we're all taught that like the deeper, juicier friendships, you know, we should find them when we're young. The longer we keep them, the better we are as a person. There's something wrong with, a, with us if we can't, which is just silly. <laughs> it's just silly. It's like you, you wouldn't hang on to something that a piece of clothing that doesn't fit you. You shouldn't force yourself into the deepest friendship that just doesn't feel right anymore. Like we all grow, we all change. Hopefully we can grow and change together, but if we can't, that's that. And that you know, these simpler friendships aren't as fantastic as our deeper friendships. And that simple friendship could fill some super important void you have in your life, which could just be fun, could just be being silly in a way that your tight community just doesn't at the moment. You know, somebody that wants to like pull over on the side of the road in a road trip and dance wild you know if that's not something you have somewhere else like there's no shame in having a friend who's down to do that and you're so right about the older friends there's this weight of like your childhood friendships and they're so important and i think i, I lucked out i've got a, a very small group of you know old friends that are so important to me and we're there for all our big life moments but day to day we're not each other's like people you know we all have mm -hmm. different interests and all that stuff and i would say they don't have the depth of the newer friendships that i have and i guess i didn't have a word for it like is one friendship better than the other but nope. you talk about something like familiarity versus depth <laughs> Can you get into that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I've changed the wording on that a little bit over time um, with the things I'm about to release. But basically, I'm going to call depth intimacy and I'm going to call familiarity, let's say consistency. So a lot of people are super focused on the intimacy of their friendships. Like they want these super deep, juicy friendships. I have people that tell me all the time, like, I want to have friends that 
I can call for anything at any time. And they think that that's the intimacy piece. And to a point it is, but I think what we're missing is this consistency piece. Like you were talking about those friends that you, those childhood friends, but you don't see them. They're not a part of your day-to-day anymore. Like that's the consistency. And we really need people who are seeing us and experiencing things with us in like our present every day. You know, they're coming to our house to have dinner. They're having a backyard barbecue. We're going on a walk. They're hearing the silly details of that thing that happened when you were driving to the grocery store yesterday. The fact that your mail got put in the neighbor's mailbox, whatever it is. Those are very fulfilling. And over time, they develop intimacy. I think just naturally, the more time you spend with someone, as long as you feel safe with them, layers start to come out. Those longer friends, those childhood friendships, I call them historic friendships because the intimacy is normally super deep, but the consistency has fallen off, which is just how life works. Like things have shifted. They have different interests. They've moved somewhere else, whatever. You care super deeply about each other. But when you talk for the most part, you're basically catching each other up on the past, Unless you're intentionally planning trips with these people or doing summer barbecues, like those are things that are in the present. Everything else is just telling each other about the past. And that doesn't create anything new. Interesting. No, it's a great point as I think we can all reflect on our high school friends or our childhood friends, the type of conversations that are happening in the group texts, you know, depending on your relationship to the past might be positive or negative. So there's a lot of nostalgia Mm -hmm. in my group chat. There's a lot of sharing old Facebook pictures for some of us that might be, oh, I love to, you know, relish in these moments. For others, it's like, oh, I hate who I was or I hated how people treated me. So it's just interesting to kind of think about that a little bit. They hold like a living memory of past you. And that's super important, right? That you're like remembered as who you were to now see where you are now. I mean, that's its own level of intimacy. Like I was this person, now I'm this person. And that's super cool. I think a lot of people struggle though, because if you call, say some major life event happened and you call those friends, they will show up. They will be there for you. But do they know what to do for you? Because they don't live in your everyday right now. Right. So they might show up and do things that, you know, like you 10 years ago needed, but the neighbor next door that's coming over for barbecues and you've befriended and you see as maybe one of your simpler friendships, she might actually know how to show up for you better because she is living in your current present life, which is why I really want to flatten how we feel about friendships. Like they all hold so much value in our lives, even if they only hold it for a short piece of time. This is so vivid in my mind right now. My best and oldest friend, I would say my oldest friend, because to your point, she's my oldest friend, but we're not consistently seeing each other, you know, but we're talking to each other, but the, the groundwork is there. But her father just passed away. And her parents recently, in the last five, six years or so, moved to another state. And at the funeral, all the people that I grew up with, you know, showed up, the lifelong friends. 
And yet it was the new people from the past five or six years that I could feel were emotionally holding her up and knew what to do, how to help her. And it was so fascinating for me because I only know her as the past version. But to see these new people come into her life again, we're talking about a 50, 60 year old woman here. So for all of our listeners that are like, I'm not going to make new friends in this lifetime or I have enough friends. Mm -hmm. Here's your Mm -hmm. here's my reminder as well to continue to invite and allow people to enter your life organically and fill up your world. And and that doesn't mean you let go of the old ones, if that's a fear, but you can if that doesn't fit you as well. But to to allow your friendships to evolve with your life, I think is a beautiful reminder that can feel really scary. Yeah. I think sometimes people feel like friendships are a little like finding a romantic partner. You know, you do it one time, you have your people and you're done. Yes. You don't have to practice this anymore. You don't have to add to it anymore. And that's just not right. (laughs) It's just not right. You know, your community, your friendships are ever evolving. They're always changing. And it's a lot like dating in the sense of you just got to keep putting yourself out there. You meet someone, you enjoy their time. You don't, you move on or you intentionally, you know, spend more time with them get to know them better. But I always want to say like, I hope it's less pressure than dating. We're not just trying to find like that one person that fills all these roles in our lives. We're just trying to find a bunch of nice people (laughs) and maybe some of them develop into our closest people in our life, but some don't. Let's just like remove that pressure from ourselves and have more fun meeting people, enjoying the parts we enjoy, letting other people go and taking the pressure off ourselves in all honesty. I've actually found and I'm share this in hopes of for anybody who's like intimidated to meet new people or feeling like, how do I do it? Or, or, you know, is kind of just at that place where they want to do it, but they feel a blockade of how to get over it. I've found that it's easier to be open, vulnerable, my most current self with new friends because Mm -hmm. there's less judging or perhaps my own perceived feeling of judgment of, oh, well, that's not something that you do or say or how you talk or no, you know, a new friend isn't going to be like, you're being so different. You're not being yourself because they're only getting this new version of you. And I think older friends can be more difficult because they have an expectation of exactly how you are, where newer people are, you know, just seeing you as you are. So for anybody that's afraid to show up, you know, it's kind of like you're a blank canvas and you could show up as your most authentic self in this moment. Doesn't mean that who you once were was a lie, but you don't need to do any extra explaining or anything like that. You can just show up. I wholeheartedly agree. I think a lot about this. So like we are taught that when we meet people, we should show up as the best version of ourselves. I don't know where this came from. I got to figure it out. I need to like read some history books, but you know, if you have people over for dinner, you should, you know, cook the nicest dinner and set up the nice china. And, you know, you should be very put together when you meet someone. And then you should like peel back the layers of yourself. And I like to flip that on its head. <laughs> like show up as the most authentic version of yourself. Let people in to the mess. Let people into the, the chaos a little bit, right? Of being human. 
and just say like, this is me, take it or leave it. I love that. And that's what this podcast is kind of, you know, about. It's about showing people who everyone is underneath the layers. And I think to your point, you know, we, maybe we both need to read a history book. Where did we get this idea that we need to be so proper and show up as our best selves? All of that came from a protective as well as I'd like to go back to the biological, a survival point of view um, and perhaps a incorrect view of survival, but this idea that, you know, belonging and social connectedness are actually foundations to our well-being. People who live in the blue zones, the areas where people live the most, one of the key traits is social connectedness, always being around a community, which is why your work is so important, by the way, Alex. But that being said, I think when we think about belonging, we think, how can I be the same? How can I be normal? I don't know where that came from, but that's what we need to really explore because like you said, I'm most intrigued by the person that sits down and tells me something that's not so picture perfect about their life and says it kind of matter of factly because that's just their life. Even if it's just like, this is a very bad example, but even if it's just, oh, my parents were divorced growing up, you know, even just sharing something that people don't share right away is like, oh, cool, me too. And then there we have the shared sense of belonging. So we have a shared sense of belonging in the mess, but we're too afraid to lead with that, I think. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I couldn't agree more. You know, we we think if we all assimilate, like if we all show the best version of ourselves, if we all flatten ourselves, then we're all the same. I have this great a friend, she was telling me the other day that she was with her daughter to play date at a friend's house. And her daughter is like three and ran down a hallway and opened a door and went in a room and the room was a mess. It had things all over the place. And the mom came running down the hall, the mom who lived in the house and said, oh no, no, don't go in there. Don't go in there. It's such a mess. So my friend grabbed her daughter and walked her out and they continued the play date. My friend got home and she took photos of her house in a messy state, just like stuff everywhere, dishes in the sink. And she sent it to this mom who she didn't know very well the for the play date and said, I just want you to know you don't ever have to apologize for a mess again. And this is what my house currently looks like. And like, that's the state of belonging. You know, that's the truth. That's real life, not the fact that you cleaned up your house to look like a magazine when everyone walked in. Like, that's not how anybody's house looks all the time. So why do we feel like we need to present that? Yes, and the house is such a good example of our lives, right? Like we invite people into our ha houses and we also invite people into our lives and we can show people some of the mess and we can show people some of the mess and they're gonna see that point of connectedness, that point of sameness that we're looking through and it's going to be able to formulate deeper, more intimate friendships because we're not just doing that that surface stuff. I, I love that. It's also just one more barrier, right? Like to getting together with people to, let's use the house as an example, right? To having people over, if you won't let people into the mess of the fact that your house isn't perfect, or if you want to have people over and you say to yourself like, oh, but I just don't have time this week to like spend two hours deep cleaning my house to have people over, then you're not going to have people over. <laughs> so if we break down these barriers, we'll actually get what we want, which is more time with people. 
That's beautifully said. And I, I'm going to sit on that very um, intentionally. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a little bit of a pivot in this conversation to kind of do the opposite. What are your thoughts on breaking off a friendship that isn't serving you anymore? Um, I mean, do it. I think we spend a lot of time feeling like it's all or nothing. I guess what I would love to encourage people to do, I have this metaphor where I talk about, you know, like your community, you're basically trying to build your president's cabinet. That's what I call it. And different people have different roles. Somebody might be the person you talk to about your career. Somebody might be the person you talk to about your family. There might be a few people you talk to about your goals or this interest or that interest, right? And when we get these super deep long-term friendships, we want them to encompass all the roles. We want to be able to like, again, talk to them about anything at any time and depend on them for all the things. And I don't know about you, if I think about somebody depending on me for all the things and all the ways, like even things I'm not good at, I get, I get a little like hot and clammy. Like I don't want to fill all those roles. I expect someone else to fill all those roles. So I guess my first question to people, if you're going to break off a friendship is, can you add boundaries to limit their scope? I'm going to give an example here. So I have a very close friend of mine and a while back, like a very close friend of mine. A while back, I had a moment where I was like, we just can't talk about money anymore. We just can't. You know, I believe what I believe. I think, you know, she needs to think some more about things and like her own feelings. That's what she needs to think about. I'm done talking to her about this. And I think it's okay to like narrow the scope, even with our deepest friendships and put boundaries on certain topics that we don't talk to about them because we enjoy other parts of them or we enjoy the history we have with them or we enjoy activities we do with them. So my first question would be, can you put up a boundary and narrow the scope a little bit? My second question would be, if 
you want to cut off the friendship, can you just pause it? By that, I mean, can you literally just say to yourself, I'm going to check back in on this in two months, three months, six months, whatever. I have a friend where it was just the same, uh, same problem on repeat over and over again. And I consciously made a choice of like, I'm just going to pause for six months. I'm not really going to reach out and initiate. If she contacts me, I will be upfront. I'm not going to lie and just be like, Hey, like I need a little breathing room right now. You know, you keep coming to me for this problem. I've already told you, I can't help you solve it. And it just takes over every time we spend time together. So we, I think we need a little breather. And we came back after six months, she went to therapy. She dealt with her things. We found like some new ways to spend time together. It's lovely. We've kind of like pivoted our entire friendship. So can you pause it? And if neither of those are working or if it's just an unsafe situation in general, then like totally cut it off, but mourn it, spend some time really thinking about like what that friendship brought you, what you're losing, who you were with that person. If you want to fill that space with someone else, like, is that now a a role that you want to shift into? Like you're looking for that or do you not need it anymore? Do you have other people that can fill that role? I love that word mourn it because I think going back to your original point that it's really ingrained in us that we you know, shouldn't lose friendships, that we shouldn't be mean, that the oldest ones are the most important, leave people with a lot of not just guilt, but cyclical behavior of entering Mm -hmm. and re-entering the same relationships that no longer serve them, simply because there's that lack of clarity as to why they left it and why they're re-entering it. What is clear is a feeling of discomfort, a, ooh, um, did I, should I not have done this? Was I too strong? Am I a bad person because I wasn't there for this person to listen to them talk about that problem? You know, am I selfish? You know, all these things are coming up for the person. But I think mourn, uh, that word really like stung me, is like even maybe a pre-mourning thing, you know, before you say goodbye is just, why am I saying goodbye or pause? What do I need right now? Do I feel that this is the best thing for both of us? Because oftentimes mm-hmm. it is. It's not mm-hmm. just selfish or or self-serving, I should say. I don't think it's ever selfish, but I don't think it's just self-serving. I mean, the other person too might just be stuck in this cyclical behavior of coming to you, but doing nothing about it. And yeah. a, you're cr- facilitating a change by changing something that they that they always do. My other question for you, as I was kind of like thinking about what we were going to talk about today, we kind of hit the nail on the head, but a little bit differently when you talked about taking an intentional pause. I love that idea. I don't know if I've ever done that, especially with the transparency that you suggested that we use, letting the person know I need a break. This is why, blah, blah, blah. But I've had accidental pauses with friendships. And looking back, I find it really fascinating because when we come together with these certain friendships that I have in mind, it's really easy. It's like no time has passed Mm -hmm. and we spend no time doing this thing that really bothers me (laughs) where I hear women do it a lot and maybe men too, but obviously I have more female friendships. You know, I'm sorry I didn't reach out sooner. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, all that stuff where... I I hate that too, yeah. It's just draining, I think, and I want everyone to really hear that, like the apologizing for not being there for somebody or for just 
having a season where you weren't lined up is really draining. Whereas, oh, I'm so thankful to be spending time with you again, or it just feels good to be near you. Or I love that we can go, you know, months without talking day to day. But then when we are together, it feels really good. So yeah. can we normalize pauses in friendships as well? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think this goes back to the attention thing, right? So I had someone message me because I shared this and they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could be maybe like so analytical about my friendships. So I have a list of my people. I have a list. It's written down. And the reason I'm saying this is because I look at this list and intentionally, like I use it so I don't forget anybody, but I also use it to look at and I make choices with my time about who I'm texting, who I'm saying, like, can we spend a weekend together? Can we do this together? Can we do that together? If I'm looking at that list and I'm not drawn to initiating a bunch of stuff, like there must be a reason for that. If I wanted to text them and I had time to text them, I would. So I just assume they're the same way. Now, I don't think a lot of people have lists, but it's the same thing, right? Like if they had time and space, they would text me too. And to me, that just like neutralizes all the guilt and shame and feelings. Clearly, there aren't many people that are as intentional with their friendships and their time (laughs) as you. However, I think the benefit is huge because you're doing, you're less of like, a friendship spillover mess. Like I feel like so many times we're reaching out to people, but we haven't sifted through why we're doing it. And often, Mm -hmm. perhaps oftentimes it comes from a fear of losing touch. So it's like, oh, let's get coffee soon. But it's like, you know, we're not going to get coffee soon. Mm -hmm. Let's get dinner soon. It's like, "Mm, you know, we're not going to get dinner soon. You know, it's like, yeah. And then you respond, yeah, let's do it. And this whole thing just like perpetuates forever. (laughs) Whereas I think if you're really clear on who you need, who you want to support, the are you free on Wednesday to get coffee, right, is going to secure that next meetup on a friendship that you really want to do, especially if you're giving it a date and a time and an action it's really clear that you want that friendship versus you're just afraid of maybe being left out, of being irrelevant to that person or a group or something. But there's not a lot of time spent. I use the phrase emotionally sifting a lot for my own inner work, but really it goes into this. Emotionally sifting through your own projections. And it's so damn easy to pick up this phone and just make that feeling of discomfort go away. Oh, what are you doing on Tuesday? Or, you know, we want to do this. Did I miss I miss you, you know, is such a common one, which sounds like it's nice, but I feel like a lot of times I miss you is just like too much time has passed. I need to text you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I send a lot of not I miss you. I don't think I've ever sent I miss you. That does have like kind of a weird comment. <laughs> Yeah, it has a weird feeling now that I think about it. But I send a lot of, I'm thinking of you, or I know something big is happening in their life. So, um, you know, sending good vibes to you today to go kill that meeting, whatever, you know, checking in on friends with babies and kids and wanting updates and like really trying to be invested in that section. Normalizing, I guess, maybe not needing a full back and forth extensive conversation. Like, again, trying to keep it simple. If I'm thinking of someone, honestly, I will text them. Like, I'm just thinking of you. I hope you're doing well. The end. Not I miss you. Like, I guess that's me trying to send them my love and not looking for anything in return. Ah, okay. I guess you're right. I was going to say, I don't really mind I miss you, but I guess there is a little bit more of wanting to be missed back, maybe. I mean, maybe not. I think that's for everybody. I don't know. I just don't know if I've ever used that. (laughs) 
Interesting. All right. Something to, to think about. I saw this quote, and I'm not sure if it was on your page. I believe it was, but correct me if it wasn't. And it said, to love someone long term is to attend a thousand funerals of the people they used to be. I love this because I think so many people struggle when people they love change. And yet, if we allow our friendships and the people we support to change and honor their process, we all change together. So what does this quote mean to you? I mean, I'm living this real hard right now. So we, uh, me, my husband, Michael and I, we each have all sorts of friendships, but we have this like one group that I've been real fascinated for for a long time. And when you add significant others in and things like that, like all these people live close to us. It's, I don't even know, probably 20, 25 people. Like it's a, it's a group. (laughs) And in this last year with the pandemic and just life changes, we are down to six. We went from like 25 to six in nine months, maybe a lot of people moving away, things like that. And, you know, it's not like this, this group will end. It's, It's just different. Like everything is shifting. People have moved to different states. People are having kids, people are moving to the suburbs. Like it's just a massive shift. And I could be frustrated. I could be sad. I could feel like I was lost. But instead, now I'm just trying to understand what I want to keep with those people, like as a group, but also individually. Like what part of them did I love from our friendships? And then also like, because I like a group, I enjoy a group. How am I rebuilding that here? Like for myself, how am I making that for myself? So when your friendships change and people move away and they make their own choices and things like that, you know, they, they become a new version. They have new priorities and I fit differently in their life than I did before. Like I no longer am the person that texts and it's like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Like this group, I used to send out a text message to this group, just like 25 people. Like our house is open. Anyone come over if you want to hang out. And sometimes no one would show up which we should normalize, by the way. (laughs) Um, And sometimes 15 of them would show up and we would just hang out. So that isn't available to me anymore. I'm not that person to them anymore. So like, who am I to them now? Who are they to me? And how do we adjust? um, And how do I fill what I need? And just to go back to when you invite them over and they didn't come, are you trying to say that it's okay don't take it personal when someone doesn't show up, even though you invited them. Correct. I love that. I think that's really important. It's like, also, why are you inviting them? Is it just to test them? You know, like what? Oh, yeah. I think so many people get frustrated by always being the initiator. You know, they they like, well, I want them to invite me to do things too. And I appreciate that to a certain point. But also, if you're that person, just consider owning that that's your role in this friendship. Like what else do they do that you don't do? Because there are all sorts of things I don't (laughs) do for my friends, but I'm always the person that's happy to be like, does anyone want to get together? What are we doing on Sunday? Does anyone want to come over? Do we want to go somewhere? We should plan this trip. 
Um, that's like my role and people also do it. They just don't do it as frequently as me. We always need you around though. You need one mm -hmm. good initiator around to get the plan going. That's not me because yeah. I'm not organized, but I, I noticed that in, in groups that I'm in when there's no initiator, nothing gets done. You know, it's much harder to see each other come up with the plan. You need that one person. So that that is an important role as long as the person who takes the role is not offended when, like yeah. you said, like, you know, not everybody shows up. It takes a lot to be the initiator because of how many times you get turned down. You're going to make it if you don't try. If you don't, if you don't shoot your shot, it's never going. I love that. I love that. I feel like we learned so much about friendships in this conversation that we really haven't taken the deep dive to do. And like you said, friendships are key to unlocking the most authentic versions of ourselves. And continuing to allow new friendships in, finding them and recognizing the work that you help people do, which is your own personal audit, I think you call it. Yeah. You're recognizing that you play a role in the friendships that you have, but it starts with you is the tangible tool that we're all gonna uh -huh. take home today. <laughs> like, yeah. take a second, everybody here, um, head to Alex's page, I'll link it in the show notes, read through the posts and take a moment to get to know who you are today, what your needs are, where they're being met, what sort of you know impulsive texts are you sending because you feel guilty or bad about something? And where can you get really intentional with how you're spending your time, your energy, and your physical and emotional investment? Would you agree with all that? A hundred percent. Okay, so we're gonna send everybody towards your way. And I know that you're coming out with some tools that we can use. Will those be yeah. available soon? Yeah, they'll be dropping. The first one will drop on Friday. Um, my workbook will release early August. Okay, so by the time this episode is out, we'll have a workbook that we can check out on your website or we'll find it through your Instagram. And yeah, thank you so much for this really insightful conversation. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.